0: Open us in prayer, and then ask you to your notes, and
1: we'll dig right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege uh, of being here and learning more about uh, being better disciples personally as well as within the corporate body. I just pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts, um, to take in everything that you have prepared for us through Pastor Rich. And uh, just uh, bless those, of, bless us uh, as we've made the commitment to be here, and um, we just want to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, all is well with the world. This is this is it. And this is what I've been looking forward to. This, so I'm excited. Um, everybody, got your notes because you want to go ahead and we'll put it up on the PowerPoint just like we did in the first Discipleship 201, where you can fill in. The blanks if something's really important and we happen to if I happen to think, oh that will be on the quiz next week, I might say this is really important and so you might really want to highlight that but as you know, uh, most of the time I'm just caught up in teaching so it's just important to kind of study it all basically the very first since this is dealing with discipleship on a corporate level, the very first lesson is commitment to the local church and um, a lot of times people ask me, what do you have to do to become a member?" A Valley View. You never see anybody coming up front. You never see anybody filling out a card. You never, see, you never see any of that. And so people, and I haven't been asked a lot, but I have been asked occasionally, what do you have to do to become a member of a, a Valley View? And so today we're going to be basically talking about three things. Two aspects of church membership. There are two different aspects of church membership. When you talk about belonging to the church, Secondly, how does that happen? How does that take place? And then thirdly, what does membership look like from a biblical perspective? And all of this, we're going to hold our our feet to the fire as far as the Word of God. If we can't back it in the Word of God, then it's not worth sharing here. So let me go ahead and read that first scripture. And then, uh, Becky, when we do get to the scripture under the first point A there, that we fill in. We'll have you read that and pass it on, okay? Psalm 68, verse 6. I love this passage. God makes a home for the lonely. He sets the solitaire in families, is what the King James says. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Let me say it again, because this is worth repeating. This scripture, to me, kind of sums up the value of this lesson. God makes a home for the lonely. He takes the solitaire and he puts them into a family. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Now there are two aspects of church membership. When we talk about church, what are the two things we could be talking about? And you may have no clue where I'm going with this, and that's okay if you don't don't answer. Don't try to answer. But if you think you know, go ahead and offer up an answer. When we say the word church, we could be talking about one of two things biblically. Okay, the physical you're saying. All right. Somebody else. Group of believers. Christians in general. Christians in general. Ah, the one that she just mentioned. Christians in general is the invisible church. Or the mystical. I've actually heard the word mystical used for it. All right, but well, that's pretty good. You guys have actually, in the course of it, hit it. Let's see. The bride. Hmm, like that. Two aspects of church membership. The first one is what we're going to call universal. Universal, not to be uh, mistaken with a universal doctrine, which is, or the universal denomination. Universal, or invisible, or, 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 who said invisible? You said invisible? Invisible, mystical, universal church. When you were born again, remember that lesson on being born again, when you were born again, you became part of something huge. I mean, it's way, way bigger than Valley View. Way bigger than Valley View. It's huge. I recently read an email and it said, what is the fastest growing religion on the face of the planet? I was almost positive they were going to say the Muslim religion because it's it's growing fast. But it's Christianity. Christianity is exploding across the planet. In China, they estimate 50,000 new believers every single day in communist China. Agnostic China. I mean, you guys, when we were born again, we became part of this huge, grand thing that God is doing on the planet. And so we became a member of this church family. Ah, but there's a second aspect of church. And that's what we call a local expression. I call it the local expression of the bigger church. Valley View would be a local expression of the bigger church. Now, 90%, somebody estimated that 90% of the times that the word church is mentioned in the Bible, 90% is dealing with the local, not this universal one. It's dealing with the local. And when I thought of that, I realized that I get excited sometimes and we didn't read the Scriptures. So let's read the Scripture for the universal, and then we'll pass it on down for the local. And if I forget, kind of, if I get too far along, kind of wave your hand at me.
1: Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything... He might have supremacy.
0: So, which church is that talking about there? The universal church or the local church? That's definitely the universal church. And about 10% of the references in the Bible deal with what we call the invisible, the universal, the mystical church. This big, big church that's all across every tribe, every ten, kindred, every tongue, every language, I mean, it's an amazing thing to be along with that. But again, 90% of what the scripture call is dealing with church is dealing with the local expression of this bigger church. Uh, go ahead and read, if you would, Mary Lou, all three scriptures there. When they're short like that, we'll just have you read it
2: Romans 1 7, to all in Rome. 1 Corinthians 1 2, to the church of God in Corinth. Ephesians 1 1 to the saints of Ephesus, Philippi.
1: How do you pronounce that? Klo-
0: K- oh. Nobody knows here, so okay. you can pronounce it anywhere. You want. <laughs>
2: Colos, Thessalonians, etc.
0: Yeah, and basically, Ephesians 1 1 is, is the one to the Ephesians. But when you go to all those other letters, it's dealing with the church of Colossae, it's dealing with the church at Philippi, it's dealing with the church at Thessalonica. So basically, those are dealing with local expressions, citywide in this case, expressions of this great big church. Now, since this is the one, the local expression is the one we're going to be dealing with primarily in these classes, why is it so important to belong to a local expression of the body of Christ? Why is that, or is it a big deal? Okay, that's a pretty good answer right there. May not have been picked up on the mic. Uh, She said it must be a pretty big deal if in the scripture 90% of the references, and that's an estimation, but 90% approximately of the references to the church are dealing with the local church, not the universal church. That must be a pretty big deal. Somebody else. One
1: of the thoughts I had was
0: accountability. Oh, accountability. Yeah, and we'll just leave it there for a moment because I'm going to give an illustration that will kind of deal with that. So accountability. So it's a little hard to have accountability with the universal church, the mystical church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a family. But but isn't the isn't the big church the family of God? Yeah, didn't we read? Didn't we? I think we even read that, didn't we? Oh, oh, oh! Did you? Did anybody smile at you when you came back today? Everybody did. Yeah. And she come in. She goes, oh! I mean, it's been since what? The middle of December. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) None of us were, but apparently you are. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh let's get Tabitha and then we'll get Anna. Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a place to serve. It's hard to do that in a mystical sense, universal sense. You guys are really hitting it right on the head. Um,
2: so that we can lift each other up in prayer times like when Moses had a hold hands up, they come around and
0: hold hands up. Sometimes we need the strength of others. Yeah, yeah. And and that doesn't always happen with the you know, I don't even know who my brothers and sisters are out there. I know it's big, I know it's huge. But I know who they are here. Yeah, anybody else? Lisa? I think it was Paul that wrote not to to Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like it would be probably a group, right? Yeah. Not necessarily just. Although I've known some that were. Where am I going today? You know, it's important to belong to a place. Here's an example that I give often about this point. An analogy. My son, our son, then is my son David. When he was born, he was born into the family of mankind. Yes? True? He's part of the family of mankind. The problem is there are two billion Chinese that don't even know David exists. Even though he's part of this Big, wonderful, human family. So God in his wisdom allows children to be born not just into the big family, but into a small family where they can receive care, where they can have accountability, where they can be discipled, where they can be matured. Because again, there are people over in Zimbabwe who don't even know David exists. But how many of you know his mom and dad in the little family? We knew David existed, and we took care of him. And so it's the same way with the church. I mean, that, that analogy to me right there drives home the point of how important it is to belong to a local expression of the body of Christ. I'll just say this. Well, let me read a quote here, and I think you have it on yours. One seasoned and well-known man of God put it this way. I have pastored too long to believe that any person is safe without accepting the Holy Spirit's direction to settle down with one flock. Um, I'll, I'll say what another brother said. This isn't new with me, but I'm borrowing it. He said the day of tumbleweed Christians kind of blowing into places and blowing out and blowing over here and then blowing over there. He said that day is gone. God is setting the solitary into a family. And just like David, how many of you know that there were times David didn't like being a part of our family? Whenever we would discipline him. You know, most of the time I think David loved being a part of our family. But there were times where he might have said, I'm, I'm leaving, I want to go live over with Joe. You know, but he couldn't because that was part of his discipling process, part of his maturing process. And so it's really, really important that we make a commitment, a commitment, that's a heavy word, but a commitment to a local expression of the body of Christ. Now, how do we know where God wants us to be? That's the second thing we want to cover. How do we know where God wants us to be? Anybody, let me open it up just for a moment. How do you know? I mean, there's probably in Anglewood and in Union and in this area, there's probably 50 churches at least. I know in the little town where we planted a church, there were 38 churches in that little town. And we planted number 39. You have to listen. Have to listen. listen to who? Hmm. You think God might have something to do with it? How? I know there's four points here, so let's try to guess a few others. How? How do you know? A lot of people here have been members of different churches at different times. So how do you know? How do you, what brought you to Valley View? And how do you know that this is where you're, you're kind of hanging out and staying? Why? Okay. Okay. That's a pretty strong word, but but I think that it, I think it's legitimate what she's saying. And, and let me just say this: where the analogy that I shared earlier doesn't always hold true, it is true that God sometimes leads people from one local expression to another at different times in their life. Because one of the cases might be some churches are really, really good, really far better than Valley View is at reaching the lost and at doing those uh, that. Entry level and really attracting a bunch of seekers, and they gear their church for that. And so, because they gear it down, and they, and I would I would call it, but I don't mean this to be disrespectful. So this term will sound like it, but I don't mean it to be disrespectful. I, I would call it dumbing it down. They will dumb everything down and make it because it has to be seeker friendly. It has to be friendly to that person who knows nothing about God. So that church is doing what they do on an excellent basis. The problem is sometimes people, they get to a certain level at that, and then they go, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Is there more? Is there more? And some of those churches are good at offering in other vehicles, other avenues, like a group or something where you can grow, but some aren't so good. And so they might move into another area. All right, somebody else. Why? Mike, you look like you're ready to save, but no, yeah, no, yeah. You you have a peace. It says ah oh, this is this is right, this is right. I, I like that. It's a
2: calling to use your gifts.
0: Ah, that's a great point too. I, this is why I love doing this because some of what you say is not going to be up here, and so you I'll hear things that aren't necessarily going to be, because this isn't all inclusive. I mean this isn't everything here, so it's a place where oh, I got these gifts and I found a place where. My gifts fit and can be used. That's pretty important. I mean, that's, that's not pretty important. That's actually very important because we're not supposed to bury our talents, but in some places you don't find the avenue to be able to use it. And so all of a sudden God plants you in a place and you're like, whoa, you're flourishing because you're able to use what God has given you. Somebody else. Anybody else? Anything? This is really good stuff. I don't know, and does it? Seriously, like I get fed
2: so much here. You know? Like I know, and
0: Okay. It sounds like it has a lot to do with it then. Yeah. If it's a place where you feel like you're getting fed. We'll put it that way. We'll put it in those terms. You got a hunger and if you're walking away still hungry, but if you're walking away feeling, "Ah, like, oh, man, I got a meal." I feel fed. You know, I mean, I I love our time of fasting. But I'm on a partial fast, what I would call partial fast, because we're doing the 21 days. So we're, you know, I know somebody in our church is doing the 21 days and doing a water-only fast. God bless this wonderful sister. God bless her, God bless her, God bless her. <laughs> but I'm doing a partial fast. But nonetheless, I pull away from a lot of meals going, man, am I still hungry, you know, because it's not the stuff that I'm used to or whatever. And I'm so glad. I mean, I'm very grateful for the fast I thank God for it because it's a wonderful thing but'm I'm, I'm looking forward to later on when I can feel full again I can feel ah oh, I ate and I feel good so I think that's pretty important and, I, and I'm so appreciative that you feel like you get fed and you're downstairs but that's what blew me away I went into cracker barrel and some of you saw in happenings last week I talked about church at cracker barrel and I walked into ha- cracker barrel and I and I had an appointment on my car, and it was over in Vandalia, so I thought, you know, I haven't eaten breakfast yet. And so I went over to Cracker Barrel because it's, it's good, good food. And uh, yeah. And she kind of knows what I, a couple of meals that I like there. I always get the breakfast. And, and I always ask to sit if she's there. Sometimes she's not, but I always ask to sit in Tabby's section and because it's just such a blessing. And she walks up, and she's... Oh, man, and she's already asking me questions about, I was listening to the message from yesterday, and blah, blah, blah. And she said, what do you think about this? And I'm sitting there going, wow. Because she's downstairs. Misses. And right now she's missing every Sunday. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, thank God that you have such a hunger that you grab a hold of a CD. And I have a hard time listening to CDs, so I really respect somebody who can listen to that. And blesses me. Uh, let, me, let me go on, because I know we get, we've we opened it up, heard a lot of really neat things. Some of you mentioned this one. How do you know? How do you know where you're supposed to be? Well, there's a scripture, Ephesians 4.16. Let's read that one, and then pass the mic down, and Tabby, then you'll read Psalm 68 and 1 Corinthians 12.
2: Ephesians 4:16. from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work.
0: Go ahead and read that phrase underneath there. It's not scripture, but I like it.
2: Commitment to a church is a spiritual knitting and identification and not merely attendance. This occurs through the following four points.
0: Now, look at those bold face things. It's a spiritual knitting. Anybody in the room knit? Nobody knits here? You do. Okay. So whenever you knit something, even though you have those separate things, once they're knit, they're pretty sturdy, aren't they? Yeah, they're knit together. Yeah, it comes together. And it's knit together. And it's an identification. I identify with that place. I mean, I'm a part. I know I'm a part. That's important. Identifying with it. All right? So the first thing we're sharing is God places you. God places you where he wants you to be. Tabby, if you'll read those next two.
2: Psalm 68, 6. God sets the solitary in families. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has arranged the parts in the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them.
0: Oh, who arranged the parts
2: of the body? God.
0: God does. He puts you according, that's according to your gifts, but also placement is involved in that. I'm going to place you where your gift can thrive, I think somebody said. So looking for a place to attend, it can be mind-boggling. It can, it's not that easy, but it's more than looking in the yellow pages more than let your fingers do the walking in the yellow pages it's more than looking online for a church not that there's anything wrong with either one of those two things but the bottom line is ultimately you want to hear and be able to tell somebody you should be able to say they go why do you go to valley view i mean the number one reason number one should be because i believe god placed me there i believe that's where he has me that should be the peace that settles into your spirit Because that's what will keep you from being shaken when you go through tough times or dry times or it's not so great. Is Yeah, but God said this, and unless he says something differently, this is where I'm at. God places you. B, there should be a unity of vision. There should be a unity of vision. And Mike will have you read those two scriptures. Proverbs 29.18, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? All right. On the universal church, on the universal church, we'll just put a big U here. All I really need to have in common with the universal church to have unity, I just need to know they believe the Bible and they believe in being born again. Does it, they don't have to speak in tongues. Or they don't have to believe in the gifts of the Spirit for me to be one with them. That's the universal church. I just find the common denominator is Jesus. And I have fellowship with believers, especially pastors. I have fellowship with pastors from all kinds of backgrounds. And as long as we have that, that common denominator of Jesus, we can be one. But when it comes to the local church, then Amos comes into play. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? When people come in, I should have grabbed one as an illustration, but when people come into the church, we have our greeters give them a visitor pack. It's kind of chock full of. Probably more wordy in some ways than, I guess, again, if you're a seeker-friendly church, you probably wouldn't be putting a ton of information in a visitor package. But part of the reason we do that is because we want people to know. Because they're not going to pick it up on a Sunday morning. It's going it would be hard to know if you come in on any Sunday morning here what we believe. I mean, you might pick up a few things. They believe in long worship here. Maybe letting it go. Uh, I think I heard some maybe gifts of the Spirit. Somebody said, I mean, they may pick up a few things, but it's hard. And so we literally put into that packet some of our, I call them, values. Biblical values. These are things that are important to us. D202 does this. It will share with you. Some of the visions, biblical visions, that we believe are very important. Now, does that mean that everybody here will agree about every single T and comma? No. On a, you know, you may hear me say something on a Sunday morning, walk out, and it causes you to search the Word, and you may not even agree a hundred percent. If you want to be wrong, that's okay. No. <laughs> No, I, you know, I know for a fact that I don't have a corner on all the truth. How do I know that? Because over the years I've changed some things as God's given me more light. Things that I felt real strong about before, I've changed. So who knows, in another 20 years, that thing you disagree with, maybe, you know, the Lord will have changed me in that too, because I'm still maturing in this process too. But in the overall vision, there ought to be a unity of a vision. There ought to be a likeness, a like mindedness that we're rowing the boat in the same direction. And if they're going a different direction than you feel like it should go, that's a pretty good sign that God hasn't placed you there. Because vision really, really is important. What did you read that first scripture? Without a vision, the people are what? Unrestrained. They're, they're kind of doing their own thing. And so we, we're going to, part of the purpose of 202 is to kind of share this is the vision. We want to row together. Because what happens if you get two guys in a ship? And they're rowing opposite directions. What does the boat do? It goes, inside. it doesn't go anywhere. And so we kind of at least want to be rowing the same general direction together. So vision, vision is very important. Unity of vision. How do you know this church is a place for you? A church is a place for you? Because of relationships. Relationships. Let's see. I don't know where we're in. Go ahead and read both.
2: Acts 2.44, those who believed were together.
0: Wait a minute. Say that again. They were what?
2: Those who believed were together.
0: Those who believed were together. 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 They hung out. They hung out with each other. They were together. All right?
2: Romans 12.5, so in Christ we who are many for... Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others.
0: Wow. So you belong to the others. Now, again, in a universal church, that's awfully hard to walk out. But here, that's not so hard to walk out. Now, when most people think of the word church, if you say church, what do most people think of what comes to their mind? I'm going, I'm going, let me say this. I'm going to church. What do they think? They think the building and they think a meeting. When God hears the word church, He thinks relationships. Period. That happened to meet in this building. But it could be anywhere. It could be at a bowling alley, it could be at a baseball game, it could be in a home. When they gather together and He's in the center of it, it could be any of those places because God doesn't see so much a building. To Him, it's all about relationships. Relationships two ways. The cross goes this way. That's a relationship between us and God. So you want to be a part of a church that challenges you to want more of Him. I pray to God that... People who attend here constantly feel challenged and compelled to want more of Him. I pray to God that that happens. But relationships also go this way, which is the cross. And that is from brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, sister to brother. It really is about relationships. Now, if you're like me, I'm not a real outward person, and everybody's shocked every time I say that because I seem to be outward, but I'm not. You put me in a strange place with new people, and my tendency is to want to, you know, it it just scares me. I'm not a real outgoing type person, and so God has trained me. Even in those situations, probably most of the time, most people wouldn't know because I'm the one going up and greeting and welcoming, but it's hard. But I know the value of relationships. I know how important this is. So how do you know that God's placing you in a place? Because first you're being challenged to have this relationship this way, and you're being challenged to have the relationship this way as well, outwardly. Uh, I almost jumped ahead. I'm going to share something a little more on this later, but let me go on. And then leadership. The leadership of the church. I think we're at Chris.
2: Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They will
1: keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no
0: advantage to you. Um, in the last lesson, when we talk about the authority of the church and we talk about biblical uh, government in our very last lesson, um, I've asked the elders actually to come to that so you can meet them. Most of you know who they are, so that you can meet them as well. But let me just say this. Again, it's not a matter of agreeing on every jot and tittle, on every little thing that everybody says, a leader might say. But if I was in a place where I didn't trust leadership, I would leave. I would leave. Because that is almost foundational. If you can't trust the leadership, then you'll probably end up causing dissension in the body, which is a sin in itself. You'd be better off going to a place where you can trust the leadership. So you want to have a trust in the leadership. Not that they're perfect. Not that you agree with everything they say. That's not the issue here. But you trust them. You trust that they have the good of the body in mind, that they love the church that they know they're going to give account, and by the way, there have been several elder meetings that I've started off as we get ready to pray, and I remind my brothers that we will one day give account for what we're doing. I mean, it's to us, it's a serious business; it's a very serious business. So you want to be able to have a trust of that leadership, all right? So those are four things that I would be asking. Okay, where am I at? And these are things you can tell that, all right, I think I'm in the right place. I believe I'm in the right because I believe, first of all, I have this peace. I think Mike said peace. I have this peace. God spoke it to me. I just really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I have a peace about it. That trumps, really, everything. But I also, oh, I like the vision. I, I, I'm, I can roll with this vision. I can, I can help out in this vision. There's a place for my gifts here. Relationships. I want to get to know people. They have these things, family meals, and they actually get together. And then we got to go over to Steve and Robin Bliss's home the last time. And what a lovely home. And what a lovely host. And I sat down and found out probably more about Steve in one short little lunch than I would know in three months on a Sunday morning. You know, so it's about relationships. Now... Whether or not Steve and I would become the buddy buddies or whatever, that's not always the issue. It doesn't matter whether you're that close, but you want to have relationship, and then leadership. can you trust the leadership? Now, let me get to this last one, because always the last one is where we get real practical. How or what does, uh, what does uh, commitment to a local body look like? And if I were to ask you, how do you know somebody's committed? Let's say you were the leader. Let's say you were a pastor. How would you know, since we don't have a paper you sign, since we don't, I mean, Fred and Kathleen Miller have been coming for a long, long time. You guys you have to sign the paper. He says, well, there's, you never gave us a paper to sign. So how do, how do we know if you're a leader and you're trying to discern, all right, is this person committed to Valley View or are they just kind of attending and checking it out? Which is okay, too, because sometimes people, and sometimes that's a process. Sometimes that takes a while to find out. So if you were a leader, what would you look for? What would...
1: Fellowship.
0: Okay, you kind of look for the fellowship, because that's important. All right? Serving. Do you find a place to serve? Yeah, you would kind of look to see if they're showing up. That, that kind of would help be helpful. Tithes, giving, money, Ooh, money, Ooh, money. Yeah, money. Anybody else? So let's let's balance those two because the truth really is somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, a friend what is it a, a, a says a friend will wound you, but a, an enemy will give you kisses. So I mean, you know, you don't want somebody like oh it's always wonderful, oh, it's always, you know sometimes you sometimes you like somebody to be come up and and just say what did you mean by this or whatever. That'd be what you're saying, Mary Lou. But on the other hand, if somebody comes in and they're trying to correct everything, change everything, you know, they're immediately critical. Um, and that's that's happened a couple of times in my years of being a pastor. I sat there and said, oh, God, I hope this person's not a member of this church. I hope they'll move them on, Lord, you know, and don't let the door hit their butt on the way out. You know, you you didn't hear me say that, but don't pass that on. But, um, seriously, you're sitting there going, why are they here? Why are they here? And usually they don't stay very long. Usually they don't stay very long. So... Uh, and don't mistake that everybody that comes in and stays for a while maybe goes, because sometimes committed membership, somebody said, uh, I think it's um, from Van Nuys, California, I can't remember his name right now, uh, Jack Hayford said that church membership can take up to six months to really to know, this is this where God wants me to be? So sometimes a person may come and you think, oh, I think they are, I think they are, where'd they go? You know, and then you call, and you find out. And, and it's always hard, because they're just like, well, it wasn't quite, you know, like, it wasn't where God wanted me. And we have to be okay with that. I want people where God wants them. Now, selfishly, I want them to come and stay. But at the same time, I've got to be willing to release people if it's not where God wants them. It'd be the worst thing in the world. So... That's a good point. That's a good point. That's actually been a prophetic word that's been spoken over this body. And I've seen it be true even since I've been here. Some of those will be healed and stay. And some will be healed and end up moving on. And I think of uh, Greg and Terry King. You know, they actually were here for a couple years. But they came in incredibly wounded. And now they're pastoring a church. You know, so praise God. And that was tough. That was tough letting them go. All right. Well, let me give these to you. Where are we at? Oh, we're we're doing so good today, but we may finish early today. Who knows? First and foremost, these are all going to be F. First and foremost, how do you, What do I look for? Now, these are all biblical, so these are things God looks for, but these are things I look for because they're biblical. First and foremost, I think Fred, you have this one, don't you? Luke 9:23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What I look for is, first and foremost, is are they committed to Jesus? Are they a lover of Jesus? I mean, we want people to, listen, I want people to love you Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I hope and pray that when they come in that they really like it, and that's why they're here. I, I'll just say, Elisa sent me an email, and I think it would be safe to share this email here, and it really blessed me, she said, and I don't remember all of it verbatim, Lisa, but it was something like, uh, wow, four and a half years, I think that's what you said. Four and a half years, which I had to go, wow, four and a half years? Four and a half years? I mean, it's just amazing because I can still remember the first Sunday that and Samuel came in. Four and a half years. And she said, well, there's not any church that's the perfect church. She said, Valley View is about as perfect as it gets for us. And that blessed me. That blessed me to hear that, because we want people to like where they go. We want them to feel like, oh, I love going. I, I'm excited about going, because I am. I mean, I'm on Sunday morning, I'm like, oh, man, what's God going to do today? And I'm all excited about getting here and seeing what God's going to do. So I'm excited about being a part of it. But first, even before that, because we don't want to get the cart before the horse, and I know this would be true of Lisa, and that is that we want people first to be lovers of God. Because if they love God, and this is where God wants them, then they'll love the church too. But we want to create lovers of God. I, my intention is not to have everybody walking out going, oh, I'm a, I love Pastor Rich, man, I love that. And again, don't misunderstand me. Everybody likes to be liked. Everybody likes to be loved. And so when people give you a compliment or people encourage you, I just take it as encouragement and I thank God for it and I, it blesses me and it builds me up, and I thank Him for it. But at the same time, first, 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 man, are they loving God? Are they after God? Because that's what we want out of every member who calls themselves a part of the Valley View family. We want them to be going after God with everything they've got. And that may not be seeker-friendly, but that's friendly to me. That's about as friendly as I can get because I want people to be I mean, just I want more of God. So that's where we're at. And so that's what I kind of look for because I know that eventually they'll probably be uncomfortable because they're going to hear that a lot. They're going to be pressed to know Him more. Pressed into wanting Him more through worship, through the teaching. It's going to have a lot of that theme running through it. So first and foremost, are they lovers of God? Secondly, the focus or vision. Focus, vision.
2: Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained.
0: Go ahead and read all three. Yeah.
2: Amos three three, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? First Corinthians twelve twelve, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Wow.
0: Everybody say many parts. Many parts. Say one body. Many parts, Many parts. One, body. one body. Those are both truths. It is one body with a lot of different parts. My finger, and in this church we'll have some people that are, will really go after certain things. Other people will really go after other things because my finger is different than my ear. I mean, it would be weird if all I had was fingers everywhere, just you know, like the creatures in Revelation, eyes everywhere. I mean, just think about that. I mean, if all I have was noses, I'm the smelling person. And so I have noses up here and noses here, nose here, nose here. And I'm just walking around smelling everything. No, I mean, the body's made up of all these varied people that have different strengths, different gifts, different even longings. But on a local sense, it still comes together as one body. In other words, wouldn't it be horrible? This, by the way, is your plate. Mike, this is a whole sidebar here. Mike makes some unbelievable cheesecake. Oh, my goodness. After the fast is over, Mike, if the Lord so moves on your heart. (laughs) Unbelievable cheesecake. And this is your plate being brought back to you. We've had that for a long time. Let's say I was sitting down to eat. And one body. But as I'm sitting down to eat, my feet go, I want to run. And I go to eat, and my hand says, I want to wave. (laughs) No, when I eat, I want the whole body to be involved. Now, some are more, you know, they don't get really majorly involved in that particular thing. But they don't fight what's going on. So, in this, just this room here, there are different gifts right here. And there are going to be different things. People come to me all the time. I think maybe we can do this. Or somebody else say, I think we can do that Because everybody's gift is working. And not everybody's going to jump on everybody's bandwagon. Everybody feels abortion's wrong. But in the first church we planted, we had a guy. That was his ministry. He headed it up. And to him, that was the only ministry there was. And he would get frustrated. Because everybody didn't come out to the abortion clinic to protest. And babies are dying. And I'd have to sit him down and I'd say, Greg, 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 we're so glad you're a part of our body And if you weren't here, we wouldn't be doing half of what we're doing in this area. It's because of you provoking us. But listen, did you show up this morning at 8.30 when we had worship practice to practice worship? No. Well, some people did. do you think they ought to get all PO'd at you because you didn't show up? Hmm. I like to say we only had that conversation once. (laughs) But Mike was so passionate, so passionate about what he did. I didn't want to throw a wet blanket on that passion. But I had to remind him, many members, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. And there ought to be a unity of vision that we're at least rowing in the same direction. That's important. And I look for that. I look, are they rowing in the direction that God is helping us go? Because different churches have different strengths. And Valley View has some strengths. All right. Third, foundation. Foundation. And look for what kind of foundation is there? Ah, oh, let's see, where are we at? Steve, you'll read the scripture under there, please. Matthew seven, twenty four through twenty five. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why didn't that house fall? Why didn't the house fall? What two things was that person doing? Anybody, look at the scripture. He built his house on the rock, but he describes what that is. What was he doing? There were two things this person was doing. He listens, and then he puts it into action. He listens, and then he puts it into action. Discipleship 201, we hammered home the point that we're looking for people who will be obedient. They hear God's Word. So when I look out and I think of a member of Valley View, There's attenders. There's members. When I look out and think of a member of Valley View, I'm looking for people who when they hear the Word of God, they they want to run with it and obey God's Word. And we're going to keep drilling that home because when the storm hits, and whether it's a storm that hits you personally, or a storm that hits your family, or a storm that hits our church, or a storm that hits our nation, when the storm hits... The people that are going to stand are the people who've learned to listen and walk out the Word and do the Word and do the Word. So we look for people who have that foundation. That's, the Bible calls that foundation hearing and doing. Number four, D, fellowship. There's that word fellowship again. We look for people who want to fellowship. Ah, let's pass the let's see, the mic going down. And we are keeping it on, right? Yeah.
1: First John one seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another.
0: Somebody once said fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. That might be important. Fellowship. is two fellows in the same ship, I take it a step further, rowing in the same direction. Now, don't look at your notes for just a moment. Because I think you have most of these bullets. So don't look at them for a moment. And if you're still, if you're looking at them, disobedient are you. <laughs> now, if you're still writing, some people are right. How many... And those of you who have been here for a while, you'll know this: how many one another's are there in the New Testament? Does anybody have an idea? How many are you sure of that? How many of you think Mike? how many of you think Mike's right? How many of you think Mike's right? How many of you think Mike's wrong? How many of you' just cowards and not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> there are 31 another's. 31 obviously it depends a little bit on. The version you use might word it a little differently. And I'm not sure, because that is borrowed from a, a man that spoke volumes into my life by the name of Larry But He shared that there were 31 another's, and we, we actually hand out a piece of paper. From time to time, we hand this out that has the 31 another's on it. Now, what's the key thing about a one another? What do you have to have? You have to have another. You can't do a one another by itself. What's the illustration that I give for that? I've given it a lot of times. A lot of you will remember it as soon as I do it. (laughs) And I always ask the question, what's wrong with that? And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's just a whole lot wrong with that. But that's what a lot of people are doing. That's, that's a lot of people's Christianity.
2: I'm sorry, I, just said <laughs> I know. It, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, since I got a way of doing that, you can get a way of saying that. <laughs> oh, oh, fellowship, fellowship. The thirty-one others—you have to have other people. We read a scripture earlier. Those who believed in Acts, it says, it simply describes them this way: those who believed were together. They were together. They would hang out together. They would meet at a coffee shop, as I'm going to do tomorrow with somebody have lunch, as I'm going to do Friday with somebody. They will just hang out. They would find a way to, to hang out to somebody. We're all busy. I know that. But listen, the solitaire, if you're the solitaire, and there are times where Jesus withdrew. There's a balance to this. There are times to withdraw yourself and to be alone with you and the Lord. There are times. But basically, this is all about relationships. Church is really about relationships. And so it's important to kind of hang out with one another and find ways to do that. Find creative ways in this busy, crazy, busy society that we live in to do that because we need each other. We need each other. So we try, you know, the little things like the family meals and that, those are just to kind of motivate, but we hope more spontaneous stuff happens. Or maybe after a Sunday, people just kind of go out. But you see, that's cost prohibitive for some people. So maybe they'll go to somebody's home to eat. You want to find ways to get together. Fellowship. Faithful. Faithful. We look for people who are faithful. There's a three scriptures for faithful. This is, a, this is a pretty powerful point here. The Lord spoke to me a long time ago how important faithfulness was.
2: Luke 16:12. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Also, money, very little. Matthew 25:23, well done, good and faithful servant. Proverbs 26, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a, fa- but a faithful man who can find.
0: Yeah, the last one's kind of a challenge from God. He says a lot of people claim to have all this love, but he says, show me a faithful person. He says, show me a faithful. That's what I'm looking for. When he comes back, what is it that we're all going to want to hear him say? What's the phrase that's so popular out of Matthew 25? Well done, you good and faithful servant. That's, that's pretty important for him, for us to be hoping to hear him say faithful servant. Faithfulness must be very important to him. In Proverbs, did you know it uses two descriptions? By the way, let me ask you this first. What's a synonym for faithfulness? In terms of thinking of church membership now or commitment to a body. What would be a synonym for faithfulness? If we say a person is faithful, what are we saying? Reliable. They're committed, they're what? Reliable, dependable. And I was actually thinking of the word dependable. That's, that's good. Committed's good, though. Committed is a good word. Committed, reliable, dependable. Did you know in Proverbs he gives two descriptions? He says a person who is trusting on somebody who ends up being unreliable, unfaithful, undependable. And he says is like, and he describes it two ways. Does anybody have any idea what those two ways are? Uh, Listen to this. He says, if you rely on somebody who proves to be undependable, it's like having a toothache. Have you ever had a toothache? Oh my gosh, it just hurts. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. That's how he describes. If If you're depending on somebody and they prove to be not dependable, Oh, that's like a toothache. The second description, it says, is like a bone out of joint. Years ago with David, we, I came home one day and I picked him up, you know, the way they say never to do with kids anymore, But I picked him up by his arms and we heard something pop and I thought they broke his arm. Because immediately he's like, oh, he's screaming and crying. We took him to the emergency room. They did a few tests. They said, we can't determine for sure. I'll bring him back. Uh, tomorrow or the next day, whatever it was, and we're like, here's some medicine. That whole night, anytime he would move, we had him in bed with us. Anytime he'd move, he'd let out these screams. And so we finally took him to his doctor the next day. And the doctor came in, and she looked and she felt, and she said, the emergency room sent you home. And I said, yeah. And she got a balloon and she let it go in front of him, and he reached up, forgot about his arm, reached up, and popped. Heard it pop, and it popped right back into place. And we're like, oh, thank God. But I want you to remember, I will never forget the night of that little boy laying next to us with his arm out of joint. The Bible says that's how the Bible describes an unfaithful person. Somebody who's not dependable. I can't count on them. You guys know, if you've ever counted on somebody and then couldn't, you know what that's like. So when we look for membership, we look, are they dependable? Can we count on that person? Can we count on that person? Because that's very, very important. Now, there's a few points underneath there. It should be based on commitment, not convenience. Because faithfulness, that's the true trust of faithfulness, is when it's inconvenient. Well, we're going to be doing a lesson in here on Jesus washing the feet. And... um we're going to really, really show that whole inconvenient thing when we teach that lesson. The key to faithfulness is knowing how important you are. I have never, ever forgotten this little nugget of wisdom I think that God gave me one day. Way back, I was probably 23, 24, 25, pastoring the first church we pastored. And I also was a youth leader at this church. And... uh the Lord allowed our youth to grow a lot faster than our church, probably because I was just a kid still, in a lot of ways, myself, a kid at heart. And I remember one of the girls came up to me, and we used to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night meetings. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but boy, that's a lot of, that's that's a lot of meetings. I think that sometimes it'd be good just to have some fellowship and stuff there. But nonetheless, and I was pretty much the one who did most of the teaching on those. Um But I digress. So this girl comes up to me, and she says to me, very nice, very, I mean, she was giving me the courtesy of letting me know, and she said, next Sunday evening I won't be here. And so, as a pastor, I said, why not? And just asked, why not? And she said, oh, you could tell. She was hoping I wouldn't ask why not. And she said, because there's a movie on TV, and she named the movie, and she said, I really want to see this movie. And so I'm thinking to myself, What do I tell her? Movie? Pastor Rich. Yeah, DVR. DVR it. The problem is you're talking years ago. There was no DVR. Oh, well, VCR it. There was no VCR. This is back in the day when you missed the show. I mean, faithfulness counted back then, kiddo. (laughs) I'm thinking about it. I mean, it counted back then, man. You were faithful. A uh, little sidebar. Don't let me forget where I was with the girl. little sidebar. Wizard of Oz is a classic film. And for years as a kid, I saw the Wizard of Oz. I never saw the color portion of it. I never saw it until I was out of, out of my family's home. Never saw it. Because we had Sunday evening church. It always came on Sunday around 6 o'clock and around a certain time. My parents were like Mr. and Mrs. Dependable. They believed in being absolutely faithful. It took us, we were gone. And I remember, oh, but I don't know how it ends. I always see the kids the next day. they're doing all these things, and I had no idea what they were doing. I never even knew it had a color part to it until later, because it cost us back in those days. <laughs> Any other girl, back in the day, she said, "Movie, and I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, movie." Pastor preaching. Movie. Pastor preaching. Movie. And I'm thinking, I wanted to see that movie. I'm thinking, Lord, what do I tell her? Because to her, I mean, she's not going to sit there and tell me I'd rather see the movie, but she's kind of telling me that. And she really does. So what do I tell her? I don't want to condemn her. What do I tell her? And then it was just like this nugget. I really believe nugget of wisdom dropped in. And I looked at her and I said, ah, oh, her name was Gayla. I said, ah, oh, Gayla, I've been wanting to see that movie, which was true. I'd wanted to see it. I'll tell you what. I'll bring the popcorn. You provide the drinks. I'll come over to your house and we'll watch it together. And she's like, you can't do that. And I said, why not? You're the pastor. You're important. I said, oh, that's right. I'm important. And then I looked at her and I said, I wish you realized that in God's eyes, you're every bit as important as I am. I tell you the truth. On a Sunday morning, as we follow the cloud or the river or all those symbolisms of the Holy Spirit, as we follow it to see where he's going, yeah, I'm prepared to speak. And yes, I take that very seriously. But I'll tell you what, I always think, who are you going to use today, God? Who's going to be the key to unlock what you want to do? I hope they came ready to be used. I hope they realize how important they are. Their function may not be pastor, but they're a functioning part of this body and if they're not here we're missing part of that so that's really the key to faithfulness I've always said it since then when people realize how important they are yeah there'll still be those occasional things you can't help but when they realize how important they are they don't miss they don't want to miss because I'm important i got to be there and you are you're important why is my faithfulness so important spending a lot of time on this one. Let me quickly go over these. God honors faithfulness. He says, if you're faithful in a little, I'll give you what? I'll give you more. If you're faithful in a little, I'll give you more. God honors faithfulness. I'm telling you, faithfulness, you think it's important only to pastors? No, it's very important to God. He wants to know that He can depend on us. Because He's partnered with us. That blows me away that God has partnered with us. And he's trusting us. And he said, I have to be able to depend on you. And he honors faithfulness. He says, okay, you were faithful in that little thing. Oh, gosh, you did a good job with that. i got a bigger assignment now. Ooh, that's big. Yeah. Can you do it? With me, you can do it. And then you do that, and he goes, wow, you're really, really good. Just like with a little kid. You're really, really good. i got something bigger for you now. And God honors that. He honors that by keep opening up bigger doors for you to where you're doing greater and bigger things for Him all the time. That's where Christianity gets so much fun. But it's given to the faithful. Food and ministry. We primarily come to receive here, although we come to give. We certainly come to give our gifts. But you receive a meal, and then you go out. Most of the ministry is going to take place out there. You receive the full vision. Why is it important to be faithful? So that you hear the whole vision. We we do a lot of series here. Can you imagine you're watching a television series? And you miss some key episodes? A few years ago, there was a show called Loss. Linda and I, we watched the first season of that diligently. We never missed the show. We DVR'd it or whatever if we were going to miss it. We watched everyone. For whatever reason, the next year we were busy, doing stuff, and we missed, we missed just like three or four shows, and we hadn't DVR'd them, and then we tried to sit down and watch, and we're like, what's going on? I'm clueless what's going on. And we quit. We just let it go. Just like, not that big of a deal. We let it go. Well, that's how sometimes if God's doing something, and often He does things not just on a given Sunday, but sometimes there's a theme that He's emphasizing. And then if a person misses for a while and all of a sudden they come in, whereas everybody else is, they're just tuned in. They're clued in with what, this is what God, God's speaking on purity for this time. He's, he's dealing with us in the area of purity. If somebody just happens to come in or whatever, and they haven't been there, they're like, what's going on? Why is everybody weeping at this? Man, all days. Because they haven't been a part of all that God's doing. Faithfulness. And then you one day will reap what you sow. You see, our prayer is that all of you will end up leading something. If you're faithful, if you're faithful in another person's ministry, that was a scripture that was read, then when you are given a place of leadership, God will allow you to reap faithful people that you can depend on. So faithfulness is really a key. I spent a little more time than I planned on that. I guess the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize it. Finances. You guys mentioned it. Finances. I have no idea who's even reading. Who's next? Is it Lisa or is it Tabitha?
2: Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver.
0: Now, I'm I'm not going to be... If there's ever... (laughs) I have found over the years, for whatever reason, you talk about tithing, that it, it tends to get a little sticky. And I can kind of understand it because it's primarily an Old Testament principle. It's one that Jesus endorsed in the New Covenant. But a tithe means 10%. A storehouse to me is the primary place where you receive the bulk of your food. Usually for most people that would be their local church. And so we usually would encourage people to give your tithe. And if you notice Malachi, it's very interesting here. And a lot of people don't know this, but it says bring your tithe into the storehouse. But it doesn't say bring your offerings into the storehouse. And what... So a tithe is 10%. And so for the people go, yeah, but we're New Covenant people. I go, yeah, we're New Covenant people. So for Linda and I, for years... We've looked at this, and some of you have heard me say this, but we've looked at this as the starting point. That's not like, oh, we've arrived. We've arrived. We're tithing. We look at that as, that's the starting point. That's, that's the bare minimum. I mean, that's first fruits. And we, for the most part, there have been occasions where we really felt like the Lord said to do it otherwise, but for the most part, we give that into the place where the bulk of our food is, at, which happens to be the local church. And so, and that's how local churches, that's how they make it. That's how they make it. They wouldn't make it otherwise. It's because of faithful people who give, and usually they start off with this. But, but, but Malachi says, bring your tithes and your offerings. And, and then it says, your tithes into the storehouse, but your offerings. And so we tell people, I challenge you, just start here, but I can't afford it. No, 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 you, you can't afford not to. He, God said, prove me. Prove me. And I could, you guys in the D201, you can remember that when we had one lesson on finance and I told you all these ways that God provided for us. This church, this church last year gave over 25% of everything that came in went out to missions, to ministries, to the poor, to the needy. I've never been in a church. That's been able to do that, number one, usually because we're paying for building. This building's paid for. Thank you, Lord. That helps. But it's such a wonderful blessing. And I told people, when we first got here, I'll never forget, they sat me down and they said, okay, uh, we, we want to support you. What, what were you making at TSA? And I said, well, this is what I was making. This is what I'm getting ready to make because uh, God helped me and I studied hard and worked hard and got the largest raise you could get. And I said, well, that's what we want to give you. And we got two CDs in the bank and they'll last a year. I remember it was Frank Blue said that. Looked me right in the eye. He said, We got two CDs in the bank and they'll last a year. Are you willing to do that? And I looked at him and I said, Absolutely, that's the best deal. I mean, man, all days we've we planted churches before. We had no idea where the ankle I said, A year? A year? Absolutely. Did you know? Did you know? That we've never, ever, ever, ever touched those two CDs? Ever? Never touched them! Well, I guess they didn't pay. No! They blessed me. Never touched them. Whoa! Well, how? I mean, I, from my I you guys had like about 15 people. Yep, that's right, about 15 people. <laughs> how? Well, Linda, she's at work. Lady flies in from Chicago. Linda was in management at that time at her hospital. Meets Linda, falls in love with Linda. For those of you who know Linda, it's not hard to do. She's outgoing, loving person. This lady just loved her, and just happened to ask, "What's your husband do?" Well, he's just starting to pastor a church. Blah oh, blah. blah. she asked several questions about, it and then went back to Chicago. Flew back to Chicago that evening. Next day, an email comes. Linda couldn't wait to forward it to me. I feel like the Lord's told me that for the next year, I'm supposed to send your church $1,000 a month. What? What? I forwarded it to the elders. And they're like, wow, God really is in this thing, isn't he? Yeah, because you see, this church has always been a giving church. And those who sow sparingly reap sparingly. That's Scripture. Well, maybe it's not talking about money. Actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is solely about money. It applies to other things, too. But it's solely about money. And when Paul says, those who sow sparingly, they're going to reap sparingly. Those who sow liberally I'm telling you, please, look at this as a starting point. And, and, and just in a practical sense, the way a church functions is because of a simple little principle of tithing. If people tithe. The church can do pretty much everything that God's called it to do. Pretty much everything if people would just tithe. I remember being at one church one time, and a lady, did n- she did not. She did not support the church. She was in a meeting. She said, I really feel like God wants us to do this. And I really feel like God wants us to do this. And She was always telling us what God wants us to do. And I wanted to walk over to her and go, listen, we can't do half those things because you never give a penny. But I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You guys are finding out more about me than you ever knew, huh? I didn't the Lord. The Lord will speak through our heart, And the Lord will still provide for us. But just don't sit there and tell us all the things we need to do when you don't help us to do any of them. Every one of the things she asks us to do costs, they cost money, and some cost a lot. Wow. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) I have no idea. Where'd my clicker go? I am so... Caught up in this thing. Does anybody know where it's at? There it is. Oh yeah, I was sitting right here. All right, we got two more, and we're going to close. Friction. Oh, this is oh, this is another good one though. Man, Lord, keep the brakes on me. Keep the brakes on me. Friction. Ah, love this scripture. Who's next to read? Tabby, you are, if you would please.
2: Proverbs twenty seven seventeen As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another.
0: Friction. That's the reason why people don't want to be part of a church. A little phrase, I think it, it, the bullets on yours, maybe not, but heard it a long time ago. To live above with the saints we love
2: will be glory.
0: To live below with the saints we know? Well that's another story. <laughs> Listen, relationships are hard. And that's why we do have so many tumbleweed Christians who are always blowing in, blowing out because they're hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. What happens when iron sharpens iron? What do you get first? You get sparked. Oh, you mean that could happen at Valley View? Hang around and I can almost guarantee you it will happen. You and somebody. Maybe you and me. I can almost guarantee it. Those of you who are married. You ever have any sparks? I'm not talking about the love sparks either. I'm talking about those sparks. You ever have sparks? That person you love? Relationships are hard. But listen, if after you get the sparks, what do you eventually get? Sharp. You get sharp and you get smooth, either one. Sharp and smooth, whatever you're going for. If you're filing it down, you're wanting it to be smooth, you get smoothed out, where the character rough edges on me are. God See, God uses other people, and he's used them even here for me. He uses other people, and oh, you know, and the, your flesh wants to rile up, and, you know, and then you're like, okay, God. Okay, God. And God's like, I'm using that person. That's my hammer. That's my chisel. I know there's a diamond in there someplace, Rich. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of charcoal here, though. And so, yeah, but no, no. That, that Chris, he's the hammer, and Spencer, that that's the chisel. Now, these guys are no problem. They haven't had any problem at all, but I'm just using names. I'm just using names. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, you don't want to run from that. That doesn't mean that every confrontation is always biblical. Some are not. But a lot of them are. A lot of them where we want to rebuke the devil or run the other way or leave. I quit. I leave. And God's saying, no, you're quitting too soon. I was using that person To rub you. I know. No, to rub you. To rub out the rough things so that the display of Jesus can shine through. And to sharpen you to be all that you can be. And you just nullify the tools.
2: Well, I'm going over here.
0: Well, guess what? That person you don't like here, they'll be over there too. They'll just have a different name. They'll look a little different, but they'll still be over there. friction. Last of all, forks, close with a story. Man, where does the time go? Forks. We got a scripture and then I'll tell you a story and close with prayer. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Yeah, forks. I, I saw this on an email. So some of you, since it was email, there's good chances some of you may have seen the same email of a story of a man that died and uh, he went to heaven. First, the Lord took him up to heaven, and when he got up there, I mean, there was this table spread. He, he just couldn't believe it. It was just, he like, said, "Oh my." And he looked at the table and all these people were sitting around the table and they were just feasting and laughing. and drunk. The problem was they, they all had, the only thing that was weird at these tables is that they all had these long forks. But he said what was so cool about it is he said they would all pick it up and they couldn't feed themselves, but they would feed each other. And he said it was beautiful. And then the, the angel took the person down to hell and he looked and he said, there's the same table. He said, well, this isn't, he said, I thought heaven was supposed to be great and hell was supposed to be horrible. The same meal, the same everything, all the way down to the big forks. The difference was in hell, they were constantly trying to feed themselves and they couldn't do it. And so they spent an eternity in misery because they were selfishly indulging themselves. One of the greatest things about the is that when you really need it, somebody comes along.